All right. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Letter of Law Interviews. My name is Sarthak Bharadwaj and in the ninth episode of this interview series, I am absolutely delighted and honored to be in conversation with Mr. Ashok Kumar Panda, sir. Sir is a senior advocate practicing at the Supreme Court of India and various other high courts. And he has been a senior for over 22 years now and a lawyer for over 40 years. Uh, so before we proceed further, sir, thank you so much for taking the time out and being here with me. It's an absolute honor. I'm also happy to talk to you, Sarthak. I'm very much impressed by your talent, your brilliance. And uh, I hope we should have a very meaningful conversation, which will be interesting for the younger generation. Absolutely, sir. Thank you very much. So in today's episode, we are going to talk about this brilliant book that Sir has written, Institutions That Shaped Modern India, Supreme Court. I've read this book, I've written a review of it, and I am absolutely amazed at the depth of Sir's knowledge, the quality of Sir's writing, and his ability to offer a comprehensive perspective of the Supreme Court in under 200 pages. The book is accessible to everyone. And before we go any further, I encourage you all to buy the book right now. Uh, so, sir, before we start talking about the book, uh, why don't you introduce yourself to us? You know, your early years, how you got interested in law, your time at law college as a young lawyer, and then becoming a senior and so on. Uh, see, I'm from a remote place in Odisha, okay? Uh, the village uh, the, pro, uh, from which I come, it is called Ganesh Nagar in Sambalpur district. It is close to Bengali. My parents were displaced persons from Hirakud Dam project, okay, because of that. And then it was my father's ambition, he wished that I should get higher education. That's how he shifted the entire family to Sambalpur. And I got my education both in Jilla school as well as in GM college. And uh, naturally, I mean, whatever I am today, it is because of his efforts. So then I, in 1973, I came to Delhi to do my law. And the reason why I chose law was I never wanted to be a servant or to be employed by a single master. I always, I was thinking of an independent profession. And law was giving me that opportunity. So immediately after my graduation from law faculty, Delhi University, I joined Supreme Court. Then uh, that time uh, emergency was going on. And uh, I was from the beginning, I have been an activist, student activist. And uh, we were always thinking of transformative politics, transformative uh, situation uh, that uh, that we have been working for, and I was fortunate enough to have come in contact with Justice Tarkunde. Justice Tarkunde has been a leading uh, human rights activist. He retired from Bombay High Court, and he started his practice. Then he was a close associate of Jay Prakash Narayan, as well as Emmanuel Roy. Everybody knows about him, so I was very fortunate to have come in contact with him. And at that point of time, Baroda Dynamite case was going on, where uh, George Fernandez was the prime accused, and, and along with him, there were a number of accused persons. Uh, so everybody, uh, I mean, the entire country knows about the Baroda Dynamite case. 
and there was a defense committee bododa dynamite defense committee where mr tarkunde was the chairman so i joined uh, i was the youngest member in the team uh, both sushma swaraj and uh, our uh, swaraj kaushal they shifted from uh, chandigarh only for that case that happened in 1976 then uh, up to, uh, that was the first experience uh, of a political case that i attended i also did my bit because i, I was the junior most the youngest person in the team and i was asked to uh, do like i mean to move anticipatory bail applications and all those things so i was doing that and uh, for george fernandez i had my admiration from the beginning at the moment we are having a george fernandez foundation of which i am a trustee also so so uh, and it was mr tarkunde who uh, introduced me to mr soli sorabji in 1977 and then i uh, they are actually i uh worked in the chamber of mr surabji that time he was additional solicitor general so i had the blessings of the giants so to say so it was mr tarkunde it was mr uh, soli surabji and that is how i uh, continued in the profession in 1981 i uh, became an advocate recording supreme court after that i represented uh, represented state of odisha from 1985 to 1995 and uh, after that in 1998 i was designated a senior advocate in supreme court that is how i am continuing and i really feel blessed uh, and i am reminded of newton when yeah. he was asked uh, as to how he could see so far so further so he said i was only standing on the shoulders of giants so i i have that feeling that i have before me lot of people have done so much work and i am the beneficiary of all their toil indeed uh, thank you so much for uh, sharing your journey with us sir what an illustrious career you have had uh, truly an inspiration um, so coming to the book sir i mean yeah. uh, it's it's really a fantastic read a quick read so engaging um so what made you write on this topic you know you've been associated with law for so many decades now so what was the motivation behind this did you feel that the the public does not know adequately about the supreme court or there are misconceptions that you wanted to dispel so what was the motivation behind you writing the book yeah uh, see there are a number of books very scholarly books uh, like i mean we should start with uh, mr sirvai hm sirvai Absolutely. his commentary is fabulous all of us i mean we we have grown up with uh, uh, with the reading of the commentaries okay uh, then we have lot of books by uh, mr gadboys is there uh, professor gadboys avinav chatur uh, avinav chandrachur has written then our uh, one of the very basic book will be also that by uh, by mr gobindas Mr Govindas was a senior advocate practicing in Supreme Court he was advocate general of Odisha also and uh, long time back he wrote Supreme Court in quest of identity so uh, that way uh, we have lot of legal literature it is not that we do not have but the motivation i had was that supreme court should be introduced to the uh, younger generation number one without any legal jargons and what are what are those factors which inspire younger generation i mean i was always curious about that so i tried to uh, 
go to their uh, mindset, try to appreciate their mindset. And I thought we should be writing a book that could be read at one go. Uh, that is how we, we call it a popular publication. Pop, uh, uh, popular means without legal jargons and it should be very short, very uh, brief. Okay. So, uh, I mean, I have, I have chosen that path and my uh, only object is to inspire the younger generation to know about their uh, great institutions like Supreme Court, like Parliament, like all, all those uh, institutions that are there. And uh, Rupa has been very quite supportive of this idea that we should be talking about the Supreme Court. So I have tried to, uh, initially when I was trying actually, uh, later on we can discuss about that, about the, uh, the pre-constitution background. Actually, I wanted to also uh, give so many uh, facts, so many information, but again, we had to make some compromise because uh, with the uh, kind of constraint of space, yeah. uh, we had to we have to keep out many of the things. Otherwise, uh, one one idea I have in mind is the uh, basis of our constitutional values. You do not have to go beyond our territory. You have to go to our civilizational history, and that is the basis of our constitutional values. I mean, that is what I would like to emphasize. Because first of all, we have our Dharma Shastra, number one, where Mahabharata you can see, Artha Shastra you can see, Chanakyas, Vidura Niti you can see, then Bhishma Parva also, you, if you read. Actually, I was very much into it. Then we have Amartya sense uh, writing also, yeah. um, an idea of justice and, of, uh, and all those things, an argumentative Indian. And you'll find that our, our civilization had all the elements uh, to contribute to our constitutional values. One, one aspect I would like to just um, uh, tell our young, younger people, you read the rock edits of King Ashoka, and there you will find the concept of welfare state and secularism was ingrained in all those rock edits. Because King Ashoka says, like, I mean, we have different beliefs, we have different faiths, but we must have respect for other faiths. And the moment we glorify our own belief or faith and try to, to bring down other faiths, then the glory of our own belief or faith goes down. I mean, that is the kind of brilliant ideas King Ashoka had. So I would, and then he was also devoted to the welfare of the uh, subjects yeah. and all those things. So, I mean, I, I wanted to emphasize that, but uh, that I'll do uh, in, a, in a subsequent piece, actually, whenever I write. I'll emphasize the, uh, the basis of our constitutional values that, is, uh, that you do not find in Anglo-Saxon jurisprudence, but in our own civilizational uh, background, you will see that. Quite, quite so. And that's, a, that's going to be a really fantastic book. Whenever it comes out, I'm already excited for it. Uh, so, sir, yeah. like you mentioned that, uh, you know, the book is written for those people who are not part of the legal fraternity in a simple language that can be read in one go. So, first of all, I mean, the book does, to all my viewers, the book does accomplish that. Even if you're not a law student or a lawyer, you'll not find anything hard to understand. Even the case laws that have been discussed have been explained in a manner uh, which is accessible to everyone. So, so how did you manage to get this really simple form of writing? Because you've been a lawyer for such a long time and it's, it's, I'm sure it must have been really hard 
to not let those jargon filled language uh, come into your mind so how did you achieve this really simple uh, form of writing uh see i'll tell you the story of george bernard saw you sure. know uh when he was uh, given a nobel uh, prize what did he do with that nobel prize you know it i do not sir tell me okay uh what he did he instituted uh foundations which will promote simple english oh okay so i mean he the entire nobel prize was devoted to developing or uh, <laughs> encouraging writing simple english that is that is the basic of it and the other thing is unless you understand your subject very well it is very difficult to express it in simple language True. normally we try to copy what others have done and all those things but the beauty lies in your own simple language if you are able to express whatever you know in a simple uh, language then uh, i think it will be a great service to all our uh, younger generation uh, the challenge before us i would say is legal literacy our people uh, unfortunately what has happened uh, our educated people are not legal literate legal literacy has is yet to reach our educated masses so what i am trying to do is just to create some interest and the other aspect i wanted to tell you see uh, for example we are concerned about the last man standing last man in uh, standing for justice okay yeah. so how do you achieve that unless you reach out to the last man unless you are able to tell them that uh, i mean these are your rights you can you can be sure that you you can assert your rights okay i'll give you one example uh, well, let us talk about our dalit and the adivasi or women okay these are the three segments which are really vulnerable are they aware of their rights when you go to uh, a remote tribal areas either in chatisgarh or in odisha or in west bengal or this thing you know i mean people are not aware of those uh, their rights for example an adivasi how does he understand the state what is his interaction with the state true his interaction with the state is with a policeman who is on the ground a constable a forest guard who is always preventing him not to do this not to do that and the other person is an excise uh, person a very lowly i mean a person who will be the basic uh, officer so the an adivasi always views these three symbols these three persons as the symbol of indian state okay yeah. now how do you tell an adivasi that look we have so many laws which give grants you so many um, rights have we ever done it no. and if we move a step forward i would say we have achieved a lot of things actually if uh, even i would like young people like you you ask yourself the uh, yourself the question you move out of the cities you go to villages you go to the dalit families you go to the uh, adivasi families you ask them are they aware of their rights Hardly. so maybe i mean mine is a very humble um, uh, effort in that regard absolutely absolutely and uh... Sir's discussion points to a larger problem of lack of accessibility of legal awareness, just like Sir mentioned, and therefore a need for more accessible legal scholarship. So, uh, moving forward, Sir, because your book has 
a really comprehensive account of the Supreme Court. You know, it starts right from uh, the colonial period, what were the laws like then, then how the court evolved. You mentioned most of the landmark judgments and then some emerging issues before the court today. And you do that, you know, I mean, it's the book is less than 200 pages. Uh, so what was the research process like? Uh, how did you research? See, so- I'm, uh, yeah. I'm very uh, fortunate to have very able uh, young lawyers with me. My young colleagues, are they are actually super. Uh, I, I have uh, acknowledged their contribution yes. in yes. my uh, book. Uh, Anirudh Purushottam, uh, a young lawyer, Manoranjan uh, Paikrai, uh, then Satyabrat Panda, he's my eldest son, and Abhid Sharma. Abhid Sharma has gone to uh, Singapore now. He is he, doing his PhD now. Okay. So we were a team. And naturally, I mean, uh, I mean, I had to, uh, I had to be the public face. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I mean, so far as research is concerned, I have acknowledged their contribution. Without their contribution, it would have been impossible, actually. And uh, uh, writing a book is not a one man's uh, project, actually. One, a per, one, a single person cannot do it. Okay. So and uh, I thought of dedicating my book to Justice Tarkunde. Because I, I, I really, I feel indebted to him because at every uh, point of my life, uh, he has been uh, there. Uh, both Mr. Tarkunde, Mr. Surabji, all these people. And then uh, I will be, uh, I'll not be naming other people because they are quite a good number actually. And I was blessed uh, with, their, uh, with their help and with their um, uh, guidance. Indeed. Uh, so moving on, sir. Uh, there's yeah. this one really interesting part about your book when you're uh, when you're talking about the importance of dissenting judgments, um, yes. and there's this really poetic line that you r- wrote. I mentioned it in my review also, which I'd like to read yeah. out. Yeah. Sir yeah. wrote that the purpose of dissent is so that a progressive court of the future will look back and remedy a wrong in the system. So rightly said. So, sir, yeah. do you think? I mean, com- relating it to contempt to the present Supreme Court. Uh, there have been reports that from constitutional benches, there's a severe lack of dissenting judgments. So how do you interpret that? Do you think that the judgments that are being passed required a unanimous verdict or that this lack of dissenting judgments is a worrying trend? What's your understanding of this? See, uh, I always feel uh, all judges are equal, number one. Chief Justice of India is one he's the uh, he's also one among the equals okay however he's chief justice of india so he has all the administrative uh, uh, powers but the moment the chief justice sits with other judges then naturally a judiciary judge is also equal to him yeah. so uh, that is our uh, judicial system and every judge is uh, entitled to express his views and the moment they do not agree, he, uh, any, anybody doesn't agree, then he has the right to speak out. Sure. So uh, uh, actually, uh, if we go to A.K. Gopalan, yeah. you, you, uh, you have seen Justice Fajal Ali's um, judgment, right. okay, his right. opinion. And mind you, I mean, it took how many years when Maneka Gandhi came? 1950 to 1978, okay, it took uh, uh, 20, uh, 28 years for Justice Fajal Ali's opinion to be recognized 
Okay. Now you also imagine of habeas corpus judgment. Okay. Justice Khanna's judgment now finds favor with our constitution benches, uh, which um, uh, which includes Justice um, uh, Dhananjay Chandrachur. So J Justice D Y Chandrachur. He overrules his own father's judgment. I mean, that is the poetic. Uh, uh, it is a kind of poetic justice, I would say. So, and uh, and mind you, I have great respect for Chief Justice Chandrachur. Yeah. And I would uh, he uh, his period, tenure as Chief Justice was the longest, seven and a half years. Yeah. Uh, Chief Justice Chandrachur, Chief Justice Bhagwati, then uh, Chief Justice Pathak. These were the giants we had. And in that in that um, uh, 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 course, uh, in those courts, there were uh, other giants like Justice Krishnayar, Justice Chinnapariti, Justice D. A. Desai, Justice uh, M. P. Thakkar. These are the persons. I mean, actually, uh, I I feel very much uh, privileged that I had the occasion to witness all the giants. Yeah. And uh, I'll be very happy. Actually, the uh, another another uh, I mean the. Uh, thing I have in mind. See, when I'm talking uh, to the present Supreme Court, then I'm simply requesting them. I'm just telling them that, sir, you are all, uh, I mean, inheritors of great legacy. Kindly uphold that legacy. I mean, that, that is my, I mean, in a way, that is my message to them. Though I don't say in so many words, but I can just uh, tell you that that is that the when I am describing the rich legacy of Supreme Court, I am also requesting the Supreme Court judges, the present Supreme Court judges, with folded hands, that please be conscious, please remember your legacy and do justice on yeah. the basis on the basis of the legacy. That's that's very rightly put, sir. Uh, another really interesting part. Uh, from your book that I really liked uh, was your description of the national emergency period and how you managed to capture the tensions of that period and how the Supreme Court really suffered a reputational setback with the supersession of judges uh, and really bad judgments like ADM Jabalpur and so on. Uh, and at that time, like you mentioned earlier, you were a fresh law graduate. So how was your experience of practicing law at that time in the period of emergency? Did it shape your later thinking about law and justice? See, before emergency, I was already an activist, as I told you. Yeah. And I believed in transformative politics. Okay. We're doing all sorts of, we'll do law, um, uh, I mean, uh, wall writing, we'll do so many things. We'll be going for cyclostyling leaflets and uh, anti-emergency and all those things. And uh, I, I, I came in contact with a lot of people, actually, who were passionate about the idea of liberty. And that was how I was attracted towards um, uh, George Fernandez also. Okay. Mr. Tarkunde, uh, with him, actually, uh, like, I mean, he was the founder of um, People's Union for Civil Liberties. I have been his associate all through till his end. I was with him. I mean, that is how... We thought, uh, I mean, we could do, uh, we could do great things for the country. Yeah. And another, another thing I must tell you, uh, like uh, in Bandhuva Mukti Morcha, uh, Mr. Ashok Srivastava and myself, we were appointed court commissioners by the uh, Supreme Court uh, that was presided over by Justice Bhagwati. It was Justice Bhagwati's judgment. You would have seen Justice Patak's 
जजमेंट ऑल्सो ओपिनियन इज दे आर इन दैट बंधुआ मुक्ति मोर्चा एंड दर्ट वॉज काइंड एनाफ टू रेकोनाइज आवर रिपोर्ट दैट यू मस्ट हैव सीन then uh, i had another uh, great occasion with uh, mr anil diwan anil bhai uh, i with him actually i served the supreme court as a part of the uh, amicus curie team okay uh, mr anil diwan was uh, appointed amicus uh, by the supreme court in jain hawala case that is bindit narayan case and he was also kind enough to choose me as uh, one of uh, a part of the team so i had this uh, great opportunity i must tell you i mean it was lovely working for this then i can go on citing different cases <laughs> one nice. case one case i can tell you about that of nagbhushan patnaik yeah d nagbhushan patnaik was a communist revolutionary okay just like ak gopalan in the, the uh, yeah. uh, 50s uh, sorry 40s and 50s d nagbhushan patnaik was a communist revolutionary uh he uh, it was his belief not to participate in judicial proceedings though he himself was a lawyer he was a law graduate he was a lawyer his uh, brother in law mr d bhuvan patnaik was also a lawyer okay so i came uh, personal in personal contact with them subsequent to their release in uh, delhi uh, pucl ndr that time pucl ndr was there that was people's union for civil liberties and democratic rights okay so we filed uh, first we filed a writ petition challenging section 433a of the crpc okay and uh, in that process we were able to get medical aid to nagbhushan patnaik then mr kg kanavilan one of the leading lights of our day okay, okay. so he prepared a writ petition and mr tarkunde and mr gobinda mukherjee were leading us in the in the team okay and uh, the uh, the whole tenor of our writ petition was nagbhushan patnaik he uh, he uh, he refused to participate in the judicial proceeding or he refused to defend himself on the basis of evidence which remained unchallenged he was sentenced to death and after death sentence it was subsequently committed to life sentence okay that was the that was the case yeah. then another case came that was called parvatipuram conspiracy case in parvatipuram conspiracy case the same uh, incident was part of conspiracy and you know as per the law, uh, as per our law the same incident was again to be uh, established by the prosecution okay. and by that time nagbhushan's stance had changed and he uh, his um, political belief said okay now we'll participate in judicial proceeding we'll defend ourselves and they started cross examining uh, the witnesses on the basis of cross examination whatever evidence came that resulted in acquittal of nagbhushan patnaik okay so our writ petition was saying uh, here is a situation when a person does not participate when the evidence is not uh, put on the anvil of cross examination it results in conviction and his death sentence now the same evidence is being put on the anvil of cross examination and he gets acquitted so mr tarkunde was leading us in the case the matter came before justice fajalan oh and his bench the the bench presided over by justice fajalan justice fajalan said you are right but 
uh, how can you challenge a Supreme Court judgment or a judicial decision by way of a writ petition? So what you do, you fire, you challenge the, uh, the, the that judgment uh, in a special petition, and we will condone the okay. the delay. There was a delay of 11 to 12 years. Okay, delay was condoned, and uh, the uh, Supreme Court granted us the uh, the uh, the remedy. The remedy was directing the state of uh, Andhra Pradesh to consider the case of Nagbhushan Patnaik for his premature release. He was directed to be released prematurely, and then they said, "Till you decide." Our order will remain. So, after finally, the government decided to release him prematurely. I mean, that is that is one of the interesting cases, and I can go on like this. I mean, if you are interested about human rights cases, I can just tell you. I mean, so many things. Uh, yes. Perhaps we can have a whole new episode with Sir, where we can discuss Sir's own journey through law and his yes. really, really inspiring yeah. work in the area of human rights. Uh, but for yeah. now, moving on, Sir. Another really interesting area of your book uh, was the section where you discuss some of the emerging issues before yes. the Supreme Court, and you've you've written how how the court has actually played through the history a role of transformative justice, as as you as you say, you know we've had in recent times we've had judgments like Joseph Shine, we have seen the court abolish triple talaq, we've seen the court side with free speech uh, in judgments like uh, Shreya Singhal. yet at the same time there has been criticism of the court for perhaps not coming to the aid of uh, the migrants during the pandemic the farmers protest and so on so do you think that the supreme court of today has done justice to its role as protector of civil liberties uh see there i have got my own views Yeah. but i did not let my views to come into the absolutely. book absolutely absolutely uh, reason being reason being i always sincerely wished our uh, we in india we must not lose hope yeah hope is the basic thing that i have in mind and no citizen should lose hope in the institutions yeah. that is the reason why i have consciously refrained from being critical of the institution Yes, I mean there are a uh, lot of things. Uh, there is a lot of scope for improvement, but we we should leave it to the uh, institution itself. Let them also discuss among themselves. Let them say uh, what ought to be done. It is not for me. First of all, I mean uh, I'm a citizen. I mean I consider myself an uh, an humble citizen. I would not like to pontificate. I yeah. would not like to say you are wrong here, you are wrong there, and all those things. uh let us also give them uh, that uh, that kind of uh, uh, the, uh, the kind of uh, scope where they can also do introspection because you know every judge will be doing introspection at every stage yeah. Yeah. and i will expect our honorable judges to come forward to uh, be uh, some uh, to bring solace to the citizens and especially i i'm not bothered about the rich or the influential i'm not bothered about them i'm saying how a dalit a woman or a, chi- a small child or um, an adivasi how does he get justice access justice i'm much more bothered about that Absolutely. because the rich can always take care of themselves yeah i mean you, you know they can afford uh, to litigate to get justice 
but my main worry is our the common man who uh, doesn't have legal awareness uh, awareness about his rights he doesn't have the uh, the kind of uh, the substance or the kind of assistance to uh, seek justice so i'm bothered about that i understand and just to rewind a little the book you know uh, i must say that it's written in an extremely neutral manner and a neutral fashion you get the clear perspective of what the supreme court is what it was and what it is possibly going to be without an iota of own personal predilections sinking into the writing and that is a huge accomplishment of the book uh so sir now i will come to like the final set of questions uh which is going to be away from the heaviness and and just to pick your brain a little you have been uh, like we like i gauge from this interview so you are you're a fond of reading you've read widely and and so much so if you were to recommend certain books to young law students or lawyers that these books are you know you should read if you have to be a good lawyer in the future what would these books be sir according to you see i can uh, tell you about first will be always hm silvai i mean we must read silvai yeah. without silvai will will not have the understanding of uh, constitutional law i mean the juris the basis of jurisprudence is laid down by in, uh, our hm silvai his son uh, you know navroj uh, yeah, yes sir uh, he is a very de- uh, uh, dear friend of mine so i mean uh, and uh, i have seen uh, mr sirvai arguing before the court and he was also the leading light in our civil liberty movement yeah. you know he was one of the uh, one of the persons who was uh, supporting government view in keswan and bharti he was opposed to the basic structure doctrine but seeing the emergency uh, uh, situation the kind of experience he had during emergency he was the first person to uh, to say he was uh, he was not correct and he said that now i stand for basic structure and all in uh, all the uh, post uh, 77 uh, period you will find him fighting all citizens causes yeah. so it is it is something great actually absolutely uh, then the other uh, the other book will be uh, see uh, have you read uh, key to indian practice Ah no uh, I haven't by, uh, by Murla No 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 I haven't Uh it is a beautiful book actually I I I don't know whether I have got it here yes I have got it here Actually uh I have got this Can you read can you see this Yeah yes 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 it's visible The key to Indian see, for, practice code of civil procedure Murla Yeah, see, this is a book now. Yeah, I think Eastern Book Company has um, uh, brought out a new edition. Okay. Okay. But I got it. Uh, it's old edition, and we got it photocopied so that we keep it like that. Oh, I see. The beauty of this book is, see, normally we are always scared of what the uh, dryness of law. Yeah. Law is so dry. Okay. Yeah. See, if I tell you about CPC, what will you say? What will be your reaction? Tell me. If I tell you about CRPC, what will be your reaction? Oh my God! Oh my God! <laughs> so, see, I mean, first of all, CPC has so many sections. Okay, one fifty-two or one fifty-three sections. Then it has orders. Then it has got rules. Okay. Now, 
we are supposed to mug everything but that is not the way what mulla has done it was he this was a lecture given by tagore uh, tagore law series okay tagore okay. law lectures and he has tried to explain which is really so good i mean i i don't know whether uh, people will appreciate that like i mean when in your class uh, your teacher is teaching you cpc how does it teach uh, uh, i i'm asking you this sure. question uh, how how does it teach you so so right now it was the online semester we had to do it online so uh, we would all join in and we'd read the section ma'am would teach us case laws she's also practicing advocate so she you know give us some of her own experiences please please ask her whether yeah. she has come across this book absolutely mullah's key to indian practice okay absolutely just just ask your teacher and uh, uh, the uh, this was uh, uh, i mean edited by uh, pm bakshi subsequently okay so what i'm saying what is the beauty of this book uh, mullah in, uh, starts with the filing of a suit presentation of a suit okay and in the presentation of a suit you have the entire uh, process okay uh, plaint will be there written statement replication is framing up issues and then uh, evidence uh, okay right and then you have uh, you, you have judgment after judgment you have uh, appeal you have revision and all those things so i mean from the uh, beginning of a suit from the presentation of a suit everything is taken care of up to the decree up to the stage of decree wow. so he wow. he goes on saying that and with reference to different uh, provisions in cpc wow then also uh, crpc you you go uh, okay then uh, the the third book will be evidence act okay oh. so once you master once you master cpc crpc and evidence act then i think your foundation for a legal career will be laid down i do not know uh, whether our uh, law schools are teaching uh, people like that otherwise i mean I, sometimes i feel disappointed uh, that i mean most of the, our, our brilliant uh, students they are moving towards corporate law uh, what do you do in the corporate sector tell me i mean uh, i mean uh, to be frank with you do you get uh, that kind of uh, satisfaction job satisfaction that uh, when you join a law firm or a corporate law firm what kind of satisfaction you have i'm just uh, i mean uh, i'm into litigation so i understand uh, that i mean you know, so long as i full to my clients the public at large i'm happy yeah. i mean that, that is how i look at it then Absolutely. another thing i i just wanted to tell sure. uh, i mean because we will be running short of time okay yeah. uh, the see alkelu have you come across an individual do- uh, doctor and a uh, i mean a five star nursing home or the, the kind of thing clinic yeah the big uh, private hospitals that we have right right when you go to an individual doctor then you find that the doctor goes out of his way to treat his patients and he is true to his hippocrates oath okay am i correct or no absolutely so also you will find the difference so also you will find the difference between an individual lawyer an independent professional and the same person when he becomes part of our corporate um, sector 
Okay. Absolutely. Uh, beyond this, I would not like to mention anything more. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. And so, sir, my final question to you, because, yeah. uh, you know, you have been a senior advocate for so many years now, you've practiced for so many years, uh, been part of so many important high profile cases. So if you were to sum up all that wisdom and give some advice to students who are still in law college or to young lawyers, what would that be? What should students do while still in college, you know, to lay the foundations of a successful legal career ahead? What would be your advice? See, it will be presumptuous on my part to say like that. <laughs> Only right. I would wish, I, I wish our students should have an open mind. First, have an open mind, number one. Number two, believe in rationality. Okay. Be rational. Be reasonable. Okay. Then above, uh, above all, all, the, all these qualities, the, uh, the thing will be have compassion, that sense of compassion. Karuna. See, our civilization, like, I mean, you, you talk of Hinduism, you talk of Buddhism, you talk of Islam. All religions, all spirituality, it asks us to be compassionate. Okay, don't be self-centered, eccentric, or selfish. So, if you, if you have that quality of Karuna in your heart, I think uh, the, uh, the, uh, our society will be a, definitely a better one. I mean, uh, that, that is what I sincerely believe. I tell all my friends, people who, who help the migrant level uh, in the, in, during the pandemic. Uh, I have been associated with some of those people and I really appreciated their efforts yeah. because it is only people with compassion. They will say, look, I, I have limited capability, but I must do my bit. The moment you say, as an individual, I, I, may, I might be having my limitations. I, I might be having my limits. But within my limit, I must come out to help others. I mean, that, that, that much, that kind of okay. sentiment we should have. And that has brought me uh, thus far. Like, I mean, from a small village, I'm here, I'm doing uh, fine. I mean, uh, I have a, a good family with uh, three children. I mean, two are lawyers and one is an engineer. And I'm happy about it. That's, uh, that's so nicely put, sir. And uh, you're so humble about your journey, which is really inspiring. Uh, and with this, I think we can come to an end for today's uh, episode. Thank you so much, sir, for taking the time out and speaking with me. Uh, and to all our viewers, you must read Institutions That Shaped Modern India, Supreme Court, by, written by none other than senior advocate, Mr. Ashok Panda. Uh, and sir, with this... Uh, I'd like to conclude. Thank you so much for your time and for coming to the show. I, I also feel very happy to talk to you. And uh, I really admire your uh, brilliance uh, and your concern. The way you are concerned about this society, I, I feel very happy about it. Thank you so and much. And with young people like you, uh, I see uh, I mean, the future is really bright. Thank, Thank you. you so much, sir. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With this, we will...